All right, praise the Lord, everyone. I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm so glad on this rainy Wednesday. And uh, it's great to see my, my elders, uh, Brother Carl and Sister Roseanne here. Hope you all had a wonderful time. Wonderful. We had a good time, and God's good. We had powerful church Sunday, amazing church on Sunday. Oh, God was here, as he is every week, but man, he was here. And uh, we're going to have a great week this week. Amen. I'm looking forward. Father's Day is coming. We've got all kinds of good things happening. So we want to see what the Lord will do. Uh, We're going to have a great night of study about grace, God's grace. Someone say grace. It's God's amazing grace. Amen. And the reason I'm in this study is because of one reason. You need to understand how to not just be saved. We talked about that for six weeks, right? About how we are saved. Salvation for all. If you want to go back and study and watch those episodes here on Facebook, you can. The reason why we are continuing here is because salvation without understanding of how to continue in your salvation, to keep the faith, uh, those are very important elements. So many people find salvation, but they never learn how to keep their salvation fresh and new with God every single day. Paul said, I die what? Daily. And the reason he said that is because he wanted to be a fresh and new with God. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's not something you do once. It's something you do every single day. It's something that you live. It's not in mourning. Repentance is not, oh, I'm so, no. Repentance is saying, Lord, I messed up. I need your help. And moving forward in your life, uh, because the Bible says we are all sinners saved by this beautiful grace through faith. So we're going to talk about grace again tonight. Now, the first week we talked about out of Romans chapter six, and I'm in Romans. We're going to go to Romans chapter seven tonight. I'm excited about that. Um, uh, but we're in Romans here tonight, and we can so see that the first week we talked, we talked about uh, Romans chapter six and verse one through 14. And we talked about living to die. Um, it's important that we live to Christ, die to our flesh. And we talked about, you can go back and watch that a couple weeks ago from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Then we talked the second week from Romans 6, chapters 15, or verses 15 through uh, verse 23. And we learned a very important thing. And this is vital to your continuation in your Christian walk, that who you yield yourself to is who you are serving. We can speak with our mouth, I'm serving God, but in our hearts, our lives, in our spirit, we are truly serving ourselves or something else when we do not yield ourselves to God. The Bible talked to us and we learned about how we are no longer slaves to sin. In other words, it doesn't mean we won't sin, but what it means is that sin is not my master. I fight against sin. Sin is not who is telling me what to do, how to do, and when to do. It is not controlling my life. It is a part of my struggle, of course, because we are all sinners. That's why Paul died daily. But there's got to be an understanding. I'm going to purpose. I'm going to shout purpose. I'm going to purpose to yield myself to God. I'm going to purpose to yield myself to the Holy Spirit. So that was the second we, we talked about. Um, we learned uh, that your heart matters. I'm going to say my heart matters. Yes, we learned last week about how my heart matters. My heart matters. Why? Because God sees the heart. No man knows their heart, but God knows your heart. And there is a purpose 
focus that you must understand, must have, when you're serving God. That I want to serve God. I'm not trying to get by on the very least. I'm trying to find Him in the very most, if that's a good phraseology. But I'm trying to seek Him until I find Him. I'm trying to pursue Him. I'm putting His kingdom first as I understand it. I'm doing all that I know to do to serve Him, um, even though I might fail or fall back. My heart matters to God. And our choices matter. Everybody shout, choices matter. Yes, your choices matter. We can't claim ignorance. That's why God gave us His Word. Amen. That's why God gave us His Word. I'm going to say it again. Because it's there. If we don't read it, we don't study it, that's on us, not on God. So we have to choose the right things. We have to choose Christ. We have to choose God. We have to choose the ways of God. And then we also learned that the fruit of our life is what God is concerned about. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of people want the gifts of the Spirit, but they don't want to mess with the fruit of the Spirit. And i got news for you. You cannot have proper gifts of the Spirit without the correct fruit of the Spirit. You cannot produce. What you produce is what God is concerned about. Am I producing love, joy, and peace, and long suffering? Am I producing the fruit that God is wanting me to produce? Or am I producing hatred and bitterness and frustration and whatever it might be that's not of God? Uh, so we learned that. Also, of course, your fruit is the test. Everybody say the test. How many's ever uh, had bad fruit? Yes, bad fruit. I've had bad fruit, and it's not fun. It's nasty. It's gross. An apple that's severely bruised on one side. You're eating it, and then you realize it's mushy on the other side. There's something gross. It's not good. It's yucky, right? It's nasty. And that's sometimes what we find in our lives, and we have to correct. By what better choices? Learning to, to put your life in God's hands. Better choices. So you're walking in grace, not sin. Everybody shout, I'm walking in grace. Come on, type it in online. I'm walking in grace, not sin. I am choosing. I might sin, but when I walk in God's grace, He is faithful and just to forgive me of that sin when I ask and when I obey His word. And He protects me in His grace as He deals with me to remove that sin from me. To remove that sin. He deals with me. I learn from that. I do what God is asking me to do. So that's what we have learned so far when we're talking about walking or learning to walk by grace, this wonderful thing called grace. So we ended last week with this passage, and I want to just start kind of uh, here, choose wisely. Everybody shout, choose wisely. There you go. Choose wisely. We ended with Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But, I'm going to shout but, but the gift of God. How many are thankful for God's gifts in our lives? Amen. The free, wonderful, amazing gifts of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we learned about that. This week we start in chapter 7. Chapter 7 is the portrait of a struggling Christian. If you ever want to read chapter 7. Now, I believe, and many scholars believe, uh, that chapter 7, that Romans chapter 7 is not just, if you read it closely, and we will tonight, you're going to see it's very personal with Paul. This is not something that's abstract with Paul. This is something he speaks of as himself. He references himself. There are many messages and sermons I preach and teach uh, there where I reference my own life because I know it the best. And that's what Paul does here. He's referencing the portrait of a struggling Christian. He's referencing his own life 
at some point. We're not sure of what. We know he's not walking in this now, but we know that he is he's referencing because he's so personal about it. Struggling, I'm going to say this emphatically. Struggling, someone say struggling, does not mean I'm a hypocrite. That's right. It does not mean that I am, I am a, 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 you know, fake it. No. God knows the heart. Remember I said the heart matters, right? God knows whether you're just faking it, right? So that's between you and him. But just because you're struggling with issues in your life or things to overcome does not mean that you are a hypocrite. No. It means you're walking in God's grace. If you continue in sin and act like you're not, now that's hypocritic. Uh, that's where you uh, go into that place. So let's go to Romans chapter 7 and verse 1. These are great words to live by. I hope you'll turn with your Bibles, get a notepad, a highlighter. I hope that you'll get your phone out, something that you will reference this so that you will be able to learn from this. Or you can, of course, rewatch this at a later time. Amen. So Romans chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to notice very clearly, I want you, this is important. Paul is not talking to sinners. Paul is not talking to people that don't know Christ. He is talking to brothers and sisters. He's talking to the church. He's talking to us, to you and me. And he even goes further. You who are familiar with the law. He's speaking to the Jewish people in Rome. And he's talking to them as brothers and sisters in Christ. He's saying, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living. Now it's interesting that he just got done telling us at the end of chapter 6, what does he say? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So he's on this theme of there's death that can come. And then he says these words, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? Right? Verse 2, for example, he says, I love it when the scripture gives us examples, and Paul does here. For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, and I will remind everybody that this is under the law. He's referring to the law, not to the New Testament covenant. He's giving those people that only have a reference of the law, right? He's, that's the only thing they know, so he's referencing or giving an example from the law. He's not saying that we're under this. I want to be clear about that. He's saying that we are exampling this, right? He's giving it. The law binds her to her husband, but if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply. So Paul is using a familiar thing, like Jesus used the coin, like he used uh, the, the, the wine. He, he different, used different things to show us different stuff. So the example is here that you are bound to the law as long as you are alive, but when you are dead. Now this is so powerful, guys. Hear me today. When you are dead, I'm going to say dead. It no longer applies. Mm. So, so while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is what? Free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Verse 4. So, my dear brothers and sisters. And so I want to be clear about this. That Paul is referencing Jews. They're my brothers and sisters who are familiar with the law. He's speaking to a specific people. Uh, he's not suggesting, and this is uh, important, and the reason I want to bring this up is because a lot of people try to pull this out as a process of New Testament covenant, and it's not. He's speaking absolutely to the law which had been fulfilled and completed. There, we're under the law of Christ. So I want to be clear about that, right, about this whole issue. He's using it as an example. And that is so, dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. 
There it is. This is the point. I'm trying to illustrate something to you that you would understand. It's like talking about uh, uh, planting and harvesting to a farmer. The Jews understood this. You die to the power of the law when you die with Christ. Why is it so important in chapter 6 to learn that we must die in order to live? Because as long as you are alive, hear me, in your flesh, the law judges you. But when you die in Christ, you are now in covenant with Christ under grace. So powerful. So this is why we not only teach and believe, but we understand and practice from the word of God. The concept and understanding that grace is an absolute in your life. And you must have it in order to continue in your salvation. Why? Because you need to continue to die to the sin that does so easily beset you. Amen. So this is where we are dying daily, Paul talks about. So, so we are what? You die to the power of the law when you die with Christ. And now, I shout now, you are united with the one who what? was raised from the dead. So you are now united with Christ. You and Christ are one as a result of this. As a result of you dying to your own will, your own way, your own stuff. You are now allowing Christ. You're submitting yourself to Christ and Him alone. You're letting Him be the King of your life. And as a result, we can produce a what? Harvest of good deeds or fruits for God. We can what? Say it with me. Produce a good harvest. What, is, what are we talking about? We're talking about soil. We're talking about producing the fruits of the Spirit. So if you're not dead to yourself, you cannot produce properly the gifts of the Spirit nor the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? You must be dead or the law is what you are being judged by and living in. So many people, and I've, I taught a whole series about how the law is... Is, is past and we live in a new covenant with Christ. Um, why? Because so many people get hung up on, on living under the law and doing works unto righteousness versus allowing the grace and mercy of God to save them by faith. Someone shout amen. So we look, verse 5. Uh, when we were controlled by our old nature, everybody say old nature. The proof of your salvation is that your nature changes. Let me say it again. How do I know my nature changes? Well, let's go one more time. The fruit you produce, love, joy, peace, etc. So when you do not produce the right fruit, you now need to measure, have I allowed my old nature to creep back? Have I allowed it to grow back into my spirit? Or am I crucifying that daily? Am I dying daily to myself and living in Christ? Is that, do you hear me today? Amen. So important. So what does it say? Uh, when we are controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. So we equate old nature and sin very quickly. My flesh and sin, they're partners in this. And the law arouses these evil desires. I want to read that one more time. And the law. You're supposed to be under Christ, but because you refuse to die to Christ... You are now judged by the law, is what he's telling them, right? You're under the law. You have the law inside of you. And because of that, that law is showing you sins and revealing to you evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. 
We already established earlier that the law is not evil. It just is a revealer of evil. You understand that? So when we look at the law, we say, well, does he just say that the law made us be evil? No. He's simply saying that the law is like a microscope that reveals evil and lets us see things. That's why we studied the law. That's why we look. Paul wrote at one point and said, I would not know what lust was unless it was the law that showed me. Right? So that's why the law is what we learn from and what the New Testament covenant with Christ is what we will be judged by. Someone say amen. So the law arouses these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. This is uh, uh, something that you must grab a hold of in your heart. When I live to myself, when I live to my own desires, my own will, when I refuse to submit myself to Christ at the best of my ability, trying to do my very best and knowing that I will still fail, but God will fill in the gaps with grace. But when I do this willfully and I say, you know what, I don't, I don't need God, right? I'm going to do this by my own accord. And we live by our own. This is why, listen to me carefully, this is why religion is so harmful. This is why denomination can be so harmful. Why? Because we begin to live by the edicts or the dogma of men instead of the grace and mercy of God. We live under the law because they demand works out of us. If you don't do this, that, or the other, then you're not going to be able to be in the church or be saved. When that, this, that, or the other is not found in our New Testament covenant. I say this often, I'll say it again. Never allow any ministry to drag you back to the Old Testament to show you how to live a New Testament creature's life. You are a new creature in Christ. Isaiah cannot say he's a new creature in Christ. Jeremiah cannot ever say he was a new creature in Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. They were under the law. Christ came, the cross fulfilled, and in its entirety the law. Paul writes and says the rudiments and the traditions of the law. Uh, its, its entirety has been fulfilled by Christ. It is all in him. All things are under the feet of Jesus. He is everything. So in that moment, you have to recognize, I cannot continue in the law and expect to be covered by grace. Because now, I've not died to myself, because I'm still trying to produce my own salvation through works. I have to die to myself and live in Christ. If I don't, then I'm being controlled, mastered, by my old nature, and it is sinful. Everybody shout amen. They work within us, it arouses evil, right? Verse 6 says, but now we have been released. Someone shout, thank God for right now. <laughs> thank God for right now, amen. Why? Because now I don't live in all that lost stuff. I don't live in that stuff. I live in a space of grace that Christ purchased for me on Calvary, and I now am released from the law. Someone shout amen. amen. So if someone tries to drag you from the back to the prison of the law, say, no, no, I'm sorry. Christ released me from that. I'm not going to live in that. I'm not going to be saved by works. No man has ever been saved by works. 
But religion loves works. You know why religion loves works? Can anybody shout amen? You know why? Because works manipulate. Works produces money. If you don't do this, give this, do that, then you can't go to heaven. And so we as humans get fearful, and instead of knowing our Bible and knowing what God's promises are to us, we capitulate through fear. We capitulate through going through the motions of manipulation. Well, I'm just going to say amen. When we have been what? Released from the law. For we died to it. The only way you can get released is to die in Christ. You hear me today? The only way you can get released from the law is to move beyond self and submit self to Christ and Christ alone. And to his word. Now we can serve God. I'm going to say now. Uh, now we really can serve God. Like we're supposed to. Not in the old way of obeying the what? Letter of the law. Amen. Uh, this is so good. I'm doing so good tonight. Man. Woo. I'm feeling man. This, this is powerful stuff. Paul wrote a masterpiece here about being saved. About continuing in salvation. Walking in grace. Why? Because if you don't understand the concept that once you're saved... You can't do one thing to continue your salvation. It must be through faith by grace. Or by grace through faith, rather. And it's important that you recognize. What does that mean? That means you've got to obey God's word. People, It's not like, woo, free everything, whatever. No, it's just the opposite. There is a law of Christ that is, is you die to yourself and the law of the flesh. And you live to Christ, the law of Christ. So let's say amen. So, not the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way. Everybody shout new way. How many are thankful for new ways? Amen. Sometimes we get stuck in our old ways. We are more comfortable with our old ways. We are more secure in the old ways. We are more comforted by the things that are produced by the old ways. We are more comforted by the people that are around or in those old ways. God is telling us there's a new way, and it's what? Living in the Spirit. Living. Not, not hanging out every once in a while at the water, water cooler of the Spirit. Living. Setting up residence. Living. Dying daily. Being a part of the body of Christ. Being a part of daily communion with God. That's how. So when we talk about a new way of living... That is the continuation of your salvation that we talked about for six weeks, right? That you continue in living this new creature's life. What does this do? I'm dead to the old stuff. I'm dead to the law. I'm dead to all the things that were a part of that. I'm now alive to Christ. I'm alive in Christ. And now I'm being a new creature, living in a new living or new way of living it is in the spirit i say in the spirit sunday morning we had another powerful move of god in such a way but that um i, I knew when i stepped to that podium that we probably weren't gonna i, I wasn't gonna probably minister like i thought i was because god was here and there were people hurting there were things that needed to be in the spirit i want to tell you this uh and uh I, i'll probably mention it sunday briefly but in the middle of that pass, in the middle of that worship service, um, uh, Sister uh, Adaro, I'm sorry, Sister uh, Chokentaw, um, uh, Sister uh, Jennifer Chokentaw, our missionary, she was here and she started travailing, 
And she started just really, just the Lord was using her. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, she has a word for the church. And so I said to her through the microphone, I said, Sister Chokotal, release that. Let that gift be a part of what we're doing here today. God wants you to release that. Well, uh, she uh, had not used that gift in a long time. We went to dinner with them later, and she told me all this. She goes, I really didn't, I didn't know the traditions here at Pineview as much as I should have. I never, I don't use my gift very often. She goes, I, I have only you know, been you know, vocal in my prophetic gift a couple times, and I just, I did, I would just, man, and I understood that totally, right? We've all been there, right, when God's trying to use us. So I didn't know all, all that after until after we were at the restaurant. So I, I just said, okay, Lord, and so I, I saw that she really was hesitant to yield to what God was wanting to bring through her. We were walking, God moved, and we were walking around praying, and Brother Joe Paley came to me and said, Pastor, I, I, I want to apologize. And I'm like, what, what's going on, Brother Joe? He said, the Lord told me to speak out this morning, and here's what he told me to say. And he gave it to me. He says, and, I, I'm, and so he, we're going to meet and talk about this gift. Joe Paley has never used that gift in the public, and God is, is, is wanting, he said, this is what he, this, I, look, I got goosebumps, I can weep right now, because this is God moving amongst us. And it's so important that people hear more from just the pastor, the word of God, the prophetic Right? It's not just the pastor that speaks this kind. It's the prophetic word of God that comes through faithful saints of God. Amen. Know them that labor among you. Well, we know these folks, you know, and they've labored among us. Well, Joe Paley has never really expressed in, in any way that gift. And he said, he said, as sure as I can tell you, I saw it. And it was there. It was. And this is what God said. And I need to know how to ex exercise this gift because I feel like God wanted me to speak this morning, but I didn't know what to do. And so I was just, man, that's what we prayed together. And I thanked him so much. And we're meeting and talking about how to express that gift. Because Joe Paley should know that he's safe here expressing that gift when God speaks to him, right? Because that's who we are. We're a part of the fivefold ministry here at Pine View. We believe in prophetic utterances as the elders stand by and judge. That's what the scripture says. Amen? So that's what we believe and know that God wants in this congregation. So after that, we, we prayed, God moved, great things happened, right? I got up and the Lord spoke to me. I said, okay. and I was going to close my, my, my notes down and whatever. And the Lord said, no, I want you to say this. And so I spoke for literally five minutes or less, just what the Holy Ghost had told me about, about us forgetting what we have been and what he has been in our lives and how we must remember. We've got to remember and go back to some old paths and old ways. We've got to learn to wait on the Lord. And that's what I said over and over again though, about waiting. Let's wait. We've got to wait because God wants to do something. And so we got done, so we went out to dinner with the Chokentaws. I'm off subject, but I'm not at all. This is very on subject. We went out to dinner with the Chokentaws, and Sister Chokentaws said, I apologize. She goes, I, I really knew that I missed it this morning. I wanted to speak out. I, I just, she hasn't used this gift in a long time. She goes, but here's what God said to me, right? Here's what God said to me. <laughs> and she started to speak. And Henry is <laughs> sitting across from me. He goes, and I can see it in his eye, man. And we're eating. And chill bumps go up and down his arms, man. He's like, he's like, the Holy Ghost is in this room right now. And I said, yes, he is. Man, we were all filled. Tears fill our eyes because what she spoke was identical to what Joe Paley spoke to me. And it was identical in thought what I had said at the end of my message. God confirmed his word in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And it's so powerful. I feel the Holy Ghost all over me just speaking about it right now. Because God is trying to say something to this body and to this church and to this people. And 
If we are not released from the old ways, we will never operate in the new way, which is in the Spirit. And that's where God has us. He wants us to operate in the new creatures that he's made us. Joe Paley has never prophesied. It's a new way. Sister Chogantal has used it very infrequently. It's a new way. God is using people in this congregation that if you would have told me he was using them a year ago, I would have said, well, in Jesus' name, help me, Lord. Right? Why? We've got to, and I mentioned this at church, we've got to stop prejudging people based on their past and who they might be or related to or their age or what we saw them as kids. We've got to see them as the body of Christ who is used in this hour to raise up an army of prayer warriors, travailers, interceders for the Holy Ghost to move amongst us. Someone say amen. amen. The Holy Ghost is confirming his word and he's doing it in the mouth of two, three witnesses. So let's not go back to the old ways. Let's strive for the new way of living in the spirit. So what's the lesson here? We are no longer bound by the law. Amen. In order to better handle our struggles. We're talking about a struggling Christian here. That's what Paul, one of the things he's trying to, to tell you about is, I struggled as a Jew that I tried. He later talked strongly to Peter about stop trying to be a, a Jew and a Christian at the same time in Galatians. Paul is trying to give us the struggle that he has. And he's trying to show us in chapter 7 how to better handle our struggle. We must know where we stand. You better know who you are in Christ. Are you a new creature? Or are you trying to serve old things? Are you trying to do both? And I don't have time to go to Galatians, but we will at some point. So learn to walk by grace. We are free from our sinful nature. We no longer obey sin. That's absolute. We are free from the law. That's also absolute. And we are what? Alive in Christ Jesus. So then in verses 7 through 13, here in chapter 7, we learn that God's law reveals our sin. And the law's purpose was to show man's desperate need for God's grace. I've had so many people ask me, well, why, why would God have the Old Testament? Why would he have the law? Why, why didn't he just start with Calvary? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why, why didn't he just start with Calvary? Why didn't we just have a cross uh, with a bunch of water? and a, you know, why, why didn't we just do that from the beginning? Because God needed to reveal himself to man. And there was a plan in place to reveal what sin was and how it worked in our lives and how we could be saved from that sin through the redemptive blood of, of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, was slain from the foundation of the world. So in the beginning, when there was nothing but void upon the planet, there was a plan for your and mine salvation. There was a plan that grace would live and we would live in it. Someone say amen. So, verse 7. Well then, he said... I am suggesting that the law of God is sinful. There it is. I already mentioned that, right? Is he suggesting that the law made me sin? Because no, that's not what he's... Of course not, he says. In, the fa in fact, it was the law that what? Showed me. It was the telescope, the microscope, whatever you want to reference here, that revealed to me, right, what was really going on. My wife has a black light. And my, our oldest dog, Max, he's 10 and, uh, he has struggles. And so he has, he struggles with the bladder. We put out pads and stuff, but every once in a while, he will pee on that front rug if we don't get him out quick enough, right? And so, uh, and, and he'll piddle, you know, we call it piddling, you know. And so my wife bought a black light. 
You do not want to look at the front rug with a black light unless you're ready with a big cleaner, right? Because it will disgust you. And by the way, do not take that black light into the bathroom that your grandkids use. Um, and uh, because uh, you will be scrubbing for the rest of the evening. Because that black light reveals things that we cannot see with our eyes. Corruption, right? Nastiness, filth. I promise you, if you buy a black light flashlight, you want to be careful where you go because you will then not want to live in your own house. And please, if you ever stay in a hotel, please leave that black light at home because you will not sleep that night. <laughs> but it reveals something under the surface that's there that we cannot see. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you tonight? And this is this, this, this whole idea of what the law is. It's, it's there. It's under the surface. And it tries to drag us back to those places that are not meant for us. Of course not, he says. In fact, the law has shown me. It turned the black light on. The law turned the black light on sin. Does that mean that the black light is bad? Does that mean that the black light is, is sinful? No, it is the revealer of sin. Uh, do you hear me tonight? So what is the law? The law revealed sin to me. It's not sin. Do we call it, there's a law? No, no, it's not sinful, Paul said. It's revealing. It shows us what sin is. Right? So, uh, it was the law that showed me, I, uh, me sin. My sin. I would never, and I want you to notice how personal he starts getting here. Showed me my sin. I would never have known what coveting is, that coveting is wrong or lust. Wanting something that's not yours is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. And then he says in verse 8, but sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. Let me give you an example. I hope you're following me along. I have a black light, right? But the black light reveals, um, let's just pretend that the black light really reveals uh, uh, money, okay? So that's something good, right? That's something. But we know the, the, the love of money is the what? Root of all evil. So we know money's not evil, the love of money. But I'm now looking for it, right? I've got a black light and I'm looking. It reveals money to me, right? So when I see money with the black, the law shows me, oh, there's some money, right? But in my flesh, I now am struggling with, do I want to go after the money? Do I want money to run my life? So it's revealing to me that money can be sinful. And that it is also arousing within me thoughts about how I could use the money in a greedy or sinful way. Does that make sense? So in your life, you have to recognize there's some things that the law is going to reveal to you that you're going to go, oh, right? Let's use lust for an example. Lustful thoughts, right? So we see something that arouses our natural human spirit, our human being, our body. That's the way God made us. And we know it's sinful, but yet it is something we're almost embarrassed about. Well, that, that kind of was not good for my brain because now I've thought about it for three hours. Amen? I'm not asking anybody to confirm it for me, but I know all of you have experienced this. Where there's something in your life that you thought, you know what, I, boy, I, I can't get that out of my mind. I shouldn't be thinking about that. Right? We've all been there. 
So what did it, does that mean you're a sinner? No. It means that something got revealed and now you're in decision. Now you're in the valley of decision. You're in choice mode. Will I seize it? That's why what Solomon wrote and said, don't even stand at the end of the street where the prostitute lives. Why? Because you might see her from a distance and desire her. Move on. And in our lives, we've got to decide to move on from some things. We've got to live in grace, not tempting ourselves purposefully. If I know that I struggle with certain things, I don't need to go to the places that have or sell or people that have or sell those things. I need to move on and let God, right? You say, well, God should deliver you. Yeah, God did deliver you. You're the one that's got to decide to stay delivered. <laughs> Amen. You've got to choose, right? At one time, I lived without understanding the law. And that's where I feel like so many people are. They simply do not understand this. This is why I talk about this a lot. Because it's not taught a lot. Because it removes a lot of stuff. It removes a lot of manipulation um, out of the equation of your Christian walk. Because now you're having to notice Paul then personalizes. Right? At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I, Paul is personalizing this, learn the commandment, that, uh, when I learn the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life. Verse 10, and I died. When I, when I obeyed that command, when I obeyed that sinful nature, when I gave into that, when I gave into that, that temptation, there was death that came to me through sin. So I discovered, I say discovered, uh, discovered, discovered. Are you, the question I have for you and what God has been promising, I've been teaching Bible study, I, I've, I've been meeting people since 7.30 this morning, one-on-one, -on -one, talking to them about the Word of God in their hearts and what their belief system is based on the Word of God. Because we have allowed so many things to corrupt. I have a hard drive that died on me and it had three places that I found that were corrupt. They had corroded. They had, and I had to replace the entire hard drive. Why? Because there was corruption in the hard drive. And so it was making everything slow. It was making everything go bad. It was making everything not save correctly. So what do we learn? We learn that we've got to discover some things about ourselves concerning the law and the commandments and how they bring us into submission to sin. So he says... So I discovered the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, it brought spiritual death instead. Why? Because it wasn't, I wasn't submitted to Christ. <laughs> I had not given myself totally over to what Christ wanted in my life. I was not dead to myself. I discovered that the law's commands were so... People that are still listening and obeying the law's commands... They have spiritual death in their lives. And that's not my words, ladies and gentlemen. You read that on the screen. That's what Paul says. When you still try to be saved by your works, men's works. What are works? Anybody understand what men's, what works are? I have a lot of people say, well, baptism is a work. Really? So you decided that we need to be baptized. Well, no. I said, well, what, what does the scripture say? Well, Christ says, go, baptize. Right? We find the command to be baptized multiple, 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 multiple times in the passage of Scripture. Is it still going? Okay, we're going to keep going. We're almost done. So in that process, we learn very quickly that if I don't 
understand my role in my own salvation, that I've got to do things. I can't just sit there and do nothing. Well, I'll, I'll just confess. Well, that's works because I'm moving my mouth. I'm using my vocal cords, right? If we want to get technical here, no, you're obeying the command of God. When you obey the command of God, it's not a work. Here's how you know what a work is. A work is something that man invented. Let me say that again. If we are doing works under the law, it's because I have said, you know what, I'm going to do this because this is what I think is, should be. Or we listen to some others that say, this is what you should do. It doesn't line up with the word of God, but this is what you should do because we like our tradition. Okay, that's fine, it's tradition, but don't tell me it's a part of my salvation. Right? Don't tell me it's a part of what God has called me to be or do. Because it's not scriptural. It's under the law. And the law brings death. Spiritual death. So, what does it say? It brought death and said, sin took advantage. There it is. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. This is where I feel a lot of people are, a lot of Christians. They're being deceived because they think they're holy, because they're doing what they've been told to do, or what they think will make them righteous. And instead, we must obey God's word and live to the, what? To the grace of God, living in the Spirit. Shall we continue in sin that great? No! You gotta flee from sin. You gotta call sin, sin. But don't think for a minute that you, we can add to our salvation. In no way, no means. Look what he says. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to what? Kill me. I'm almost done. Verse 12, but still, the law itself is holy. The flashlight, the black light, is holy. It's revealing sin, right? It's holy. But now Christ came and he said, I'm going to take this, which is holy, and I'm going to complete it, fulfill it. And it's going to be complete. And I am going to be the, in, the holy one. I'm going to be what is holy. What you are looking to is no longer this. It's completed. It's over. It's, com it's done. It's, it's not a part of the New Testament salvation. And now, you're not going to... It doesn't mean it's corrupt and bad. No, it's still, it still is what it was. But it doesn't live in the New Testament covenant under the law of Christ. So now Christ has become our Holy One, our propitiation, our, uh, all those things that He is, right? We don't look to the law to be saved, as they did in the Old Testament. We look to who? Jesus Christ. So it doesn't mean this is, we throw this out. It just is no longer, we put it on the shelf and say, man, that shows how, well, watch this, click, see all that sin? <laughs> we better deal with that. But we don't deal with it with this. We put that back, we deal with it with the blood of Christ. Amen. So, verse 13, how can that be? Right? Commands are holy and right and good. Uh, did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what is good to bring about my condemnation to death. Sin used what was good. Right? What's good? The flashlight's good. It reveals things. But it's no longer how I'm saved because Christ came. <laughs> so now, if I try to live to the flashlight, the black light, it causes death because it's no longer my salvation. It's good. It revealed things. It was good for those under it. But under my, con 
I was purchased by the blood of Jesus and now I live to Him. I live not to this, I live to Him and Him alone. Because now if I go back to this, it brings death, even though it's good and even though it's still holy. Because it's no longer my covenant. I don't live under. It's like going to Europe and saying, but in Michigan, the, the speed limit's 54, 55 rather. And the, and the guy in, in Europe is saying, well, I don't care what it is in Michigan. I've never been to Michigan. You're here now. And you live under this law. You follow me? You cannot, you've got to leave one place to get to another. You've got to leave the old to get to the new. And that's where we're at. So we can now, so, so, so we can see how terrible sin, the only reason that we know about this is because the revelation of the flashlight of the black light, you understand what I'm saying, of what the law will show us. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So what is he saying? The enemy of your soul will tempt you to follow the good thing, which was the law. Because he knows the law can't save you. But he wants you to think, it's God. It's a good thing. Look what it did. It's holy. i got some of your brains on, uh, on titch right now. Right? <laughs> It's holy. And so the enemy uses what was good to cause death. And, and, he, and he can get you to think you can still be saved under the law. Well, he's got you. Because now you're being saved by your own works. You're being saved by your own deeds. You're not being saved by the blood and the work of Christ on Calvary. Someone say amen. So how... Not very many people said amen. So we can now, well, we can see how terrible sin really is. It used God's good. This is, this caused consternation for people. It used God's good commands for its own what? Evil purposes. Next week we're going to talk about from verses 14 through 25. Why do we still struggle? Someone say amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope to see you next week in Jesus' name. Brother Carl, you can go ahead and stop that.